the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 102, and our guest is Van Plating. Van Plating is a singer, songwriter, and virtuoso violin player from Lakeland, Florida, whose latest record, The Way Down, is a personal examination of love, family, vulnerability, and so much more. We caught up at Van Plating's beautiful home in Central Florida. Van and I became fast friends this year, and this conversation reflects that dynamic. We talked for over two hours that felt more like 30 minutes. Uh, Y'all, I'm so excited to present my conversation with Van Plating. And the night comes And the daylight We will run from And the waves break oh, And the night comes And the daylight We will run from And when I woke up I was alive And when we excited to talk to you on a lot of levels but I think I'm fascinated with your life and career and yeah we you know it's it's really interesting since we've had a chance to talk about this before some of this before but something came up as I was listening to the record and I was thinking about you know listening to the way down and then thinking about your career arc and your life and all that that time in the early 2000s mm-hmm. when you're kind of you're in the indie rock scene yeah uh, that is a time where like we're about the same age yeah and that is a time when i'm living this completely different life and yeah. wasn't really in the industry at all but i'm consuming a lot of those bands that right. you were like touring with yeah you yeah, know yeah and I'm, I'm just curious about like if you can kind of take us there to like uh-huh. what was it like you know what was that time like it's such a weird time in music it was a weird time in music um back then 
the house we lived in. So, okay, so let me back up a little bit. So after Jack and I went to Florida Southern, mm-hmm. we moved away to the Baltimore, Washington area for a couple of years. And that was that was difficult just because we're so wired for community and you know Mm. up there like you work and then you commute Mm. you know so um unless like your friends are like the people you work with or the people you grew up with there's not like it's hard to make friends as an adult no matter what it's really hard thinking about that on the way here right it's really Mm. hard set up in cities like dc and baltimore where people are commuting really far and there's just not time baked into the day for community really um so, I'm going to tie this in, I promise. Our friends were the bands that we knew from college who would come through town on tour, and then we would beg them to, like, go out to dinner or something afterwards. And mm. now now that I've done this for, like, long enough, you know, I know how exhausting that was to, like, have your friends <laughs> you haven't seen in five months be like, please, you're, you're our only social contact for until you come through town again. So, like, right. um... Like if Copeland would come through town, uh-huh. we would always go. We'd go see them, try to get the early hangout a little bit. And if they had time, if they didn't need to drive through the night, we would hang out. And so we saw them with like a myriad of other bands. And this was before I started my own band. This was like when I thought okay. I was going to go to grad school for violin performance. Okay. Just thankfully, that didn't happen. Why? Like I'm, mm. ugh, because I didn't love it in the way that you need to love it to be an effective curator of art made by dead people, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I certainly have learned a lot of my work ethic and my drive and um, all of that, I mean, came from studying the violin relentlessly my whole life. But I didn't have a passion for that music. I always had written music kind of secretly and I was in bands in college, Um, but it wasn't until then when we were isolated and I decided not to go to grad school that I learned to play guitar and started really pursuing it. Interesting. And that was a really cool time and a weird time because it was also right around that same time that Napster happened. Yep. And that turned the industry sideways uh, so quickly. Yeah. It was like out of nowhere. So a lot of my friends that were touring kind of had the rug pulled out from under them. Um, as far as their income goes, right. you know, cause they were still making, you know, money on merch and things like that, but just the way record labels worked changed. And, yeah. you know, that was before Spotify was a thing, but it became a thing, mm-hmm. you know, very soon after and Pandora and all that. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Um, and then we moved back to Florida in, I think, oh, four. Oh, wow. Okay. Or oh, five. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we moved back, we bought this house just across the lake from where we're sitting right now. Cool. And um, my friend who had had his studio in a space downtown, um, he didn't really have a place to work. And so for a little while, he had his studio in the downstairs floor of our house. Uh-huh. Um, this was Aaron Marsh from Copeland. Okay. And he was working on projects like Stephen Christian's solo project came through there. Um, a couple other things came through there, and 
between that and I had started a band with like both feet. Like I barely knew how to play guitar, but I was just going to do it. Yeah, yeah. So I actually recruited a gal I had met in Baltimore. She moved here with us after only knowing me for three months. Whoa. I can't believe Rachel Lynn, if you're listening, I love you. And I'm sorry to your dad that I stole you from your family. <laughs> She moved with us three months in. Is she like your age? Or She's like, like a couple years younger, younger? not much younger, yeah. but so pretty, younger enough like, yeah. for her mom and dad to be like... She's like 21 or 22 then. Super young, yeah. 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 Okay. Her parents were so sad. She was going to move and do music, and she did. To Lakeland, Florida. To Lakeland, to Florida, music. of all places. It wasn't like we're going to Nashville, we're not going to L.A., I'm moving to Lakeland, Florida. Well, there has to be a certain amount of, and we're maybe on a little bit of a tangent here, but I am interested in exploring that. There had to be, I mean, she clearly had trust in you yeah. and, and clearly had trust yeah. in what you were going to yeah. do. Yeah. Were you aware of that at the time? I, not until a few years ago did I realize what a big leap that was for her. Yeah, yeah. She, like, picked up her whole life and moved here. Yeah. She's an amazing person. I know, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, do you recognize how clearly you had something creatively there? I guess, yeah. <laughs> because here, this is interesting. I, I thought we were going to get to this later, but I'm gonna. we might need to get to it now. <laughs> Cause, All right, cause, I'm listening. Because I think one thing that I've learned about you in spending some time with you and getting to know you over the last few months, especially, really, you know, really just the last few months, yeah. is you are a leader. You are, Thank you. You, and, and so that's something that I wanted to kind of explore a little bit later, but I guess we can kind of get into it is that you have this quality of leadership is so hard mm -hmm. and you have the, you have the quality of being decisive, mm -hmm. um, also being someone that people want to be around mm -hmm. and want to spend time with. And I'm so interested in how that translates into the creative part so mm -hmm. maybe kind of going back sure. to there like she moves down rachel lynn rachel moves lynn. down literally she moves down r2 we called her r2 you called her r2 r1 and r2 <laughs> oh that's fun <laughs> so she moves down and 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 you're gonna like are you saying hey i've got this band idea at the time or are you just like hey we're gonna do music stuff she actually auditioned to play bass okay because I thought I would have a band together. This is very classic me. <laughs> like, once it's become an idea, I'm already chasing it to completion. Uh, uh -huh. Because if I don't, I will never complete it. And mm. so we played a couple shows up there uh, with a drummer, and it was just the three-piece. So it was me who just taught myself to play guitar. Yeah, I had so much imposter syndrome because I played my violin since I was three years old, uh -huh. like at an elite level. Right. And then I was a beginner in a town like Baltimore. Everything was metal and hardcore bands and me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so wild. Mm -hmm. Let me move down here. And um, yeah, she knew. So it was interesting. So this was also in like the MySpace time period. Oh, right on. Uh huh. And when you lots of musicians were on MySpace to like network and stuff. I don't mm -hmm. think we would have called it that. Right. Um, but we definitely were. And somehow, I don't even remember clearly how, but I put it out there that I was looking for a drummer. Um, and we met this guy who was living in Orlando at the time who said he might play drums for us. And then also when we decided to move back, I talked to Aaron Marsh about it, who was, we were very close friends at the time. 
um, and still are, mm-hmm. um, you know, but we both have kids and stuff. Then, is, he, is he here? Yeah, he lives town? in Lakeland, too. And he was just super helpful and supportive with, like, finding people. He said, well, I have this friend that plays drums, you know. So I ended up having two two really good guys who played with me in the beginning on the drums. And then one of the guys had a friend who played guitar, and it was just one of those organic things. There were a lot of indie rock bands in Central Florida. So fascinating to me. So many of I, them. I think that's so fascinating. And, and the scene in, in Lakeland, too, even mm-hmm. now, and now it's more of an Americana scene, I would say. Sure, definitely. Um, which may just be a function of the times, but, like, that's so interesting to me. Yeah. Because I knew a lot of those bands, but I right. don't think I realized that they were right you didn't in my realize backyard. They were right, yeah, right yeah. here. Yeah. So many of them were right here, and a lot of them were, like, crashing at our house, you know. Aaron was working downstairs. I sort of had a revolving door. I was, like... This is me. I'm like do or die. I'm going to book shows and I'm just going to hope, <laughs> you know, yeah. that I have the band filled. And um, and I had some really great players who dove in with me as much as they could. Some of them stayed for years. Some of them were on and off. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of us were like doing multiple projects. But for me, Pemberley, that was like my that was the thing I was focused on. Yeah. Um, you know, we did two EPs, which. Everybody did EPs back then, so that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, and played around the southeast, and it was just a v- it was a very fertile music scene. I mean, it, everybody was. It seemed like it. Everybody I knew was either in a band or knew someone in a band or took photos of a band or recorded a. You know, like yeah. It was just a lot. Right. And um, it was actually back then that I got introduced to the Americana scene in Orlando. Okay. Never knowing that I would ever end up in that, you know, I was yeah. like, all I ever listened to was like Scandinavian indie music. Okay. Back then. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I was like, so yeah. niche, it hurts. Like, <laughs> so niche. Like, who, who so, specifically are you listening to at that time? Uh, there was a band called Ampop. Um, one of my favorite, actually, one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, is a Norwegian artist named Stina Nordenstam. Uh, I got homework to see, do. Dude, see, this is how... <laughs> yeah, I, got, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> so about. <obscure. laughs> so obscure. The most mainstream band I listened to was Cigarose. <laughs> yeah, okay, I know that name, obviously. <laughs> um, there, there was a French pop singer named Camille who did all this wild stuff with, like, um, scat singing, but it was, like, postmodern and cool. And yeah, it was Dope. very much in that way over in that direction oh man the spotify playlist for this episode is gonna be crazy yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna have to look up all those bands it's gonna it's gonna be wild it's gonna be fun um and but then simultaneously a lot of the bands coming out of orlando you had like um cole neesmith's band was called monochromatic oh i remember you mentioning them. um and there were several others there, were, there was a band called band marino that's actually Anna Bond's husband, Nathan, was the front man. Okay. Anna Bond of Rifle Paper Company. Okay. She used to make their show posters. Oh, fun. Uh, and they were, I, they could tell you the origin story of why it was called that, but he always wore a Dan Marino jersey on stage. <laughs> so are you going into, are you like at the old back booth or something? Oh, they, like, we played you, at the old back booth okay. a lot. So you're going back in there and booth, playing. And... Um, the social. Yeah, yeah. Will's okay. Pub. Okay. Those were the jams in Orlando. At the old Will's Pub, the probably. The old Will's Pub. Stay with us, folks who aren't from Florida. Sorry. Um, 
But yeah, it's fun. Let's you do said it. we're going to talk about indie music. We're getting niche and obscure. I love and- it though, <laughs> and I find that so interesting. So I, I'm, I'm curious about like <clears throat> with Pemberley. Yeah. Um, especially as I think about you know where you know that that was a long time ago. Yeah, it, it was. It's it's weird to think that it was a long time ago. True. And I'm interested to talk about like the intervening years for sure. you, absolutely. Because also because I think for me the intervening years between that time in my life and now feel like this weird malaise mm-hmm. almost malaise mm-hmm. isn't the right word this like kind of dreamlike sequence where i can't totally figure out it's an in-between yeah like mm-hmm. wa- i was wandering or something mm-hmm. and now i feel Same. like i've arrived somewhere yeah and then i thought i was headed somewhere right you know but in the in in the in-between yeah. I feel like I was kind of wandering around as I look back at those years. Yeah. And so I'm interested in like with Pemberley, if you had other than, hey, I got to go make music mm-hmm. and I'm going to get people going and I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to get this thing moving. If you had like a vision for what that was going to sound like and look like and where you were going to go. Yeah. Or if you were just like, I know I got to make music and I got to do it. No, I was very specific, even down to what we wore. Right. OK. Um, You know. And Which is what I would expect you to say, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah you've known yeah. me a few months, and you yeah, already yeah. know. I that. already know That's that about exact, you. Yeah. Like everything down to what we wore, um, song transitions, how we sounded, the influences were very um, culled from like the Cardigans, the Sundays, um, which were old bands when I was young. You right, know? right, right. But I and anything I could get my hands on that sounded like Stina Nordenstam, which you guys are all like, well, what? Yeah, we're gonna all <laughs> going to have to get educated. Uh, some of the best sounding albums I've ever heard. Really? Yes. Just incredible arrangements. Great sounds. Now, granted, the vocal, she's sort of like, it's like, <laughs> it's like you can't totally understand what she's saying, but that's part of the vibe. Okay. All right. Um, I'll spend some time with it. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. So it was definitely curated around that. You know, and so we wore like, you know, vintage head to toe and um, Rachel and I would kind of like, we planned out our harmonies really specifically. It was as far as you could get from like where I'm living now in the Americana world with the freedom and like the, the storytelling that, at least for me, most of the time it comes from like direct experience, even if it's filtered through like a poetic lens. Uh-huh. You know, then I feel like... And a part of that, I think, is just who I was in my 20s. I think I was, there was artifice, but it wasn't intentional, you know? Huh. I was trying to become the person that I thought I needed to be creatively instead of just expressing who I already was. Oh, that's so interesting. Do you think that's a function of something in your personality, or do you think that's just your 20s? I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you've spent as much time as I did dedicated to like one instrument in in a world like classical music, when you're like, I mean, I would play till I bled. Yeah, yeah. Often. Yeah. And so anything less than complete and utter devotion and dedication would have seemed like it wasn't enough. Yeah. And also I had this imposter syndrome like, Am I even good enough at any of these instruments that I'm playing? Because I played violin some in that band. Okay. But I also was like playing keys and playing guitar and singing lead vocals. And, you know, just like 
a limit to how many things you can do at one time. Yeah. And um, be good at it. And them. be good at it. <clears throat> yeah. And so I think that part of that time for me being so specific with like how everything looked and how everything sounded was because I spent an entire lifetime, you know, I started when I was three. Yeah. I made That's this transition wild. when I was like 24. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a long time. And I mean, you're talking like hours of the day. I would fall asleep in the practice rooms in college. They would have to wake me up and send wow. me home. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, I developed like all kinds of injuries that I still have. Yeah. So like when you have that sort of like intense, like religious zeal, right, uh -huh. and devotion. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to think that anything less than that might not be enough. Right. And I'm not, and I, maybe even the words less than is the wrong that's the wrong phrase because it's more like I had spent my life doing this thing that I was really good at but I didn't love it and then when I went to turn to do this thing that I did love I didn't know how to love it authentically and just be myself because surely being myself wasn't enough I've been told my whole life that just playing like me wasn't enough right. I've been learning other people's you know violin music I'm rambling, but no, this is it's a podcast. Great. We can do this. Yeah, you you listen to the show. You know how we do it. I do. I do. <laughs> I listened to uh, like two episodes on the way home yesterday. Nice. It was so nice. fun. Cool. Um, Thanks. Yeah, Maggie was like, your friend sure has a lot of questions. <laughs> My daughter, she said that on the drive home. He sure likes to ask questions. I was like, well, it, that's the point. I, I I think that's a ringing endorsement. No, she loved it. She <laughs> loved. She was just reading her Harry Potter, and I had it turned. Okay, up all right. I'm so, I, Maggie. I should have apologized for all the cussing <laughs> that I do most that's, of the time. That's Cuss great. Like me. <laughs> so, with so with like that lifestyle, like the classical violinist lifestyle, I was always told I wasn't enough. Int like directly told that. Oh yes. <clears throat> Who, like, who is saying that? Fuck those people, first of all. But who is saying that? I mean, the the scoring system says that. The teachers will tell you right, that. Right, 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 the, right. I had a, so when. That's gross. So it's sort of like an apprenticeship type thing. When you're in classical music, you study for a certain amount of years, and then you sort of graduate to, like, a different teacher. Yeah. And then once you get, like pretty advanced like they know you're going to go to college for this kind of thing your teacher if they don't feel confident that they can show you all the repertoire that you need and prepare you for that they'll they will then go around with you and help you find that next person it's very much like an apprenticeship or like a sensei in martial arts it's a very close relationship with the teacher right and i had a great one in college but he's definitely part of that culture, you know, and um, he was like a second father to me and in, in so many ways and so kind to me in so many ways. But when it's a, a, a whole culture, a whole framework around pinpointing your mistakes and trying to teach you to play. So there's these sections in violin music in concertos. They're called cadenzas. OK, it's supposed to be like, you know, like in jazz when they'll throw the solo to somebody yeah, and yeah. they improvise yeah. well back way back you know in the 18th and 19th centuries that's what the concerto was like you'd play all this beautiful music it was written out for you and then the rock stars of the day they would improvise for a certain amount of measures <clears throat> well in the 20th century they got rid of that 
and you weren't even supposed to boring oh my gosh and and so i was even learning those sections written by other people now any good writer will tell you that your natural inclination isn't going to be what someone else's is right you know and so for me if I had known that I was worthwhile enough to write my own stuff back then, it would have been a game changer. Like if I had thought that my thoughts mattered yeah. creatively, yeah, yeah, it would have helped me so much. Yeah. But I didn't know that back then. So I was coming from this background of always being measured, never being enough. I yeah. had one teacher I auditioned for. I was stressed out so much. I was 14. I blacked out during the audition. She told me I would never be anything. Oh I would never God. play music, definitely not for a living, and I need to find something else to oh do. Oh, my God. Because a 14-year-old kid blacked out in her office. Oh, my God. I was terrified of her. <laughs> I'd heard her reputation before I walked in the door, and I was yeah. terrified. Yeah. Which is like the teacher in me is going crazy right now because all of that is so antithetical to what we know. And I know it was uh -huh. different, you know, 20 years ago. But it shouldn't have been. But it shouldn't have been. Mm -mm. It's antithetical to everything we know about how people learn. Right. Kids especially do not learn. Safety is number one. Right. Emotional or physical. Right. Whatever it is. Intellectual safety. Yes. The That is number one. And if if you don't have that base need met... Mm -mm. And and it's been now, of course, it has been thrust into our faces with right. COVID nineteen and everything. Right. But like, if you don't have that base need met, I mean, I had to pull, I had to talk to a kid the other day. She's you know, she, I work with seventh graders. Yeah, they're yeah. going through some shit. They're going through a lot. You of know, shit. especially I don't want right to go now. back to that age. No, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I had her as a sixth grader, and I have her as a seventh grader, and uh, she's going through changes yes and she does not understand and doesn't have anybody to talk to about it and oh. so i became the person to talk to that about breaks it breaks my heart that and it was kid. like I, you know we have to stop like the thing that i was asking you to do mm -hmm. we were working on pronouns or something i don't know it yeah. doesn't matter yeah because she wasn't going to be able to get to that place until right. that base need of safety was met and, to be and met. for her in that moment all it was was she just needed to say i'm not feeling good right i'm feeling weird right if someone is telling you you're not good enough all the time constantly mm -hmm. as you're by the way being really good i'm sure if yes. you look back on it you yeah. recognize you were really good yeah you can't get to a place of of growth you can't it's so crazy it is crazy and you know it's been a long time for me since i was immersed in that culture and i just i hope that it's changed since then i don't know uh, I don't hang out in those places anymore. So right, I don't right, know. right. Okay, that's that's interesting because I think that that might be a good transition sort okay, of into yeah. the intervening years. Sure. Right. So you you're playing with Pemberley. Mm -hmm. You're you're also were playing with other bands, if I'm not mistaken. I right? was, and I was. I did a lot of session work back then, and like that has been a kind of a constant. Okay. Like I'll come in and be an orchestra for somebody's record. Okay. You know, fairly often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in those intervening years, you're in the church. Yes. And I, there are some parallels between what you're talking yes. about. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the violin and the mm -hmm. church. And you and I had a chance to talk a little bit about this. Um, and I'm always interested to have these conversations because I'm constantly working through it myself. Sure. Um, but in that time, and I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not, I think... 
one of the things I'm trying not to do is shit on the church every day on this show. <laughs> but, I feel, yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I do, because I, I knew we were going to talk about this. Yeah. I knew we would. I knew it was coming, and it needs to be it, it needs to be talked about. But I do think that it's possible to be honest, be gracious, and be kind. Right. And that's a tension that I'm constantly living in right. as a person of faith. Like, right. let's be really honest about where we've been. Mm-hmm. But also, let's not let's not shit on everything, like you said. Let's not just, let's not throw everything away because some right. of what happened to me wasn't shitty, right? But there was enough that was okay, you know. Yep. And and just trying to navigate that is hard. And we can just be real about the fact that it's hard. And I don't have all the answers, but I can share my experience. That is, I this is why you're such a great leader. That is a <laughs> a, a really that is an astute way to put it. And I think an insightful way to put it is the idea that like, I don't have all the answers. No. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things about, about my struggles with the church that were so difficult and still are difficult is that I was told that these are the answers and you're not supposed to question the answers. These are the answers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, it wasn't like the church was telling me necessarily. And I think it is different for a man than a woman in the church. Right. But I wasn't being told that I wasn't good enough necessarily. But the very, the structure of the Baptist church Mm -hmm. was such that I felt like I wasn't good enough. Absolutely. There's a lot of shame somehow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I was unpacking this with my sister-in-law um, my sister-in-law actually was in, and she'd probably be listening to this. I hope she doesn't mind me saying. Um, she was in like a straight-up cult. It's mm-hmm. called the International House of Prayer. Oh, I've heard of that. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? IHOP. Yeah. Um, yep. it, there's a documentary about it. There was a murder-suicide, and mm-hmm. like it's you know like on these like murder podcasts or whatever now, and it's a straight-up cult in Kansas City, um, oh, where and she was she was opening up to me about the things that they did to them, like the shame that they, that she felt. And we mm-hmm. were talking about the difference between shame and guilt. Yeah. yeah. Right. And like how those two things so coexist. And yeah. And get so twisted. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm interested in like how you, as a person of faith mm-hmm. who did have a hard time mm-hmm. with, and with, still does, and still has a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how you, cause there's imagery in the new album yeah certainly yeah religious imagery and i I mentioned it when i wrote about it and i'm interested in like how much that comes up in your your process of creating how much those experiences in the church and your and your faith Mm -hmm. come up in the when you're sitting down to write does that guilt and shame come up do Mm. you process it in different ways i process it in different ways the second record you know, I'm. it's cool that you brought up those two words, the guilt and shame words, because the first record that I did that came out in 2019, I was definitely walking in that place. Uh-huh. And That's the self-titled record. Yes, the self-titled record. And um, I was very confused about just a lot of things. You know, like why it hurts so much for me to do something that seemed like externally so simple, you know, to start writing music again. Yeah. Um, And be a woman who's a person of faith, who's 
in a leadership position in ministry and why that it broke my heart that that was hard for other people. Yeah. Um, and it still does, but I've recovered a lot, which you hear that in the second record. Right. You can hear the healing and the recovery process that's happening there. Um, I write what I feel. Yes, mm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I write what I feel. And I think that, you know, someone asked me, I think it was, I did a little live session at Acme Radio in Nashville when we were all up there for Americana Fest. Uh -huh. And one of the guys asked me, he was like, it's super soon for you to have a second record. Do you feel like you had your whole life to write the first one? And like, how did you come up with the second one? And I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. I feel like I know who I am now. Mm. And I feel like this record has been a lifetime in the making. Mm. Mm -hmm. That record... <laughs> I was in a lot of pain and I was confused and I was going through like extreme changes in my marriage, my life. I was facing emotional and spiritual trauma that I had never faced. And it was just all coming at me at one time yeah. with the first record. With the second record, I had been through that fire and, you know, I feel like my maker has been good to me. I feel mm. like all of that hardship that happened um you know and there was more in those in between years i mean i had a near-death experience you know i had several babies i almost died at one point of um a ruptured fallopian tube like there's been a wow. lot that's yeah, happened that's you know a lot. there was a lot that happened and all the while any one of those things is a lot any one of those things is a <laughs> lot uh for sure and so in coming into this record um I was vulnerable this time in a way that I felt more confident about. I no mm. longer, like if you had asked me to talk about this two years ago, I don't think I could have handled it. Oh, wow. Because I was in so much pain. And, you know, that pain came from a place of love. Yeah. You know, I grew up loving the church. Yeah. With all of me. Right. And so, you know, it's been it's been a very long road and I've had to be willing to ask myself some hard questions, um, you know, and I don't have the answers to all of those questions, but I do know that the road I'm on is the one I'm supposed to be on. Awesome. And that makes a huge difference. Right. <clears throat> well, that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's so much to that feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. There's, yeah. There's so much to that feeling. So. I want to share this with you because I think it's it speaks to what you just said about yeah, and I'm, I don't want to turn this back to a thing that I made, but no, I no, did, no, I do did it. recently write about your record, and I um, as I was writing about it, I got to the end and I started the editing process. Sure, and that's something that I, I, I'm interested from your perspective because like I'm not comfortable with editing. Um, when mm -hmm. I go to write something, I'm like, well, I have done the thing. And mm -hmm. then when I go to edit it, like then the self-examination has yeah. to come in. And yeah. I'm very self-reflective. Sure. But with the creative work, I get self-conscious about yeah. choices that I made. Even yeah. though no one has seen it except me. Super relatable for me. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But I got to the end of that piece and I realized I had written about The Way Down mm -hmm. as if it was your first record back so to huh, speak. That's interesting. Yep. I had written about it, even though I know your self-titled record Yeah, yeah. and I have listened to it and I'm yeah. aware of it. And like, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. 
for whatever reason, my brain f- processed the way down as like your sort of, I forget how you put it earlier, but you sort of your healing record or whatever. Yeah, it is. Right. 100%. And so I think the way that I approached talking about it or writing about uh-huh. it, and I, I didn't realize until the end and I reread it and I was like, oh, you got to move some things around because <laughs> you acted like this was the first one back, even though there's right. this other wonderful record. Right, right. <laughs> you know? No, no. And that's okay. You know, that's really interesting. Um, I didn't expect going into this album release cycle to be talking so much about what happened before the first album, but uh, it makes so much sense to me yeah, to yeah. talk about that stuff. Because I'm in a place now, too, where I have some perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. Even though some things still hurt, you know. Sure. I have more perspective on it than I did then. And it is my first record being fully me. Yeah. I was throwing paint at the wall with the first one. Right, right. I love that album. It will always be special to me. It was forged in a very hard time in my life. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I wrote a record while I was working. I was homeschooling. And what? That's wild. What a who does that? The amount of work I've been talking about this a little bit more on the podcast lately. The amount of work that goes into making a record is mind blowing to me. It's insane to to be doing all of those other things at the same time. And like you had a leadership position in the church. I had a leadership position. I had responsibilities. And you're and you're you're parenting and homeschool. I didn't know you were homeschooling too. Just because I'm insane. (laughs) Like I, Jack likes to say. It sounds like he's making himself a drink in there. Jack likes to say I thrive on overcommitment. Oh. And he's not a hundred percent wrong, but that was too much. So this is how I wrote that record. Interesting. I had office hours, which lots of creative people do. But you don't understand, like, I'm a mom of four kids. I was working part-time. Well, it was supposed to be part-time, but it's ministry. It's never really part-time. It's never part-time. That's just part of the gig. It's yeah. not. It's yeah, not. You're yeah. in people's lives, and it's not really part-time. It's like being a teacher. Right. You're not really part-time. Right, or right, Or full-time. Right. You're right. like. Extra time. Extra time. Yeah, you're in overtime. Oh, unpaid overtime. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. So that's what ministry is like. Uh, and I was parenting, and so I would... I would homeschool in the morning. I would be off and on checking my phone for stuff, you know, stuff from the church, stuff for playing. Because with worship, you're doing a new set every week. You have volunteers filtering in. There's just a lot of coordination. And I was part of a team, but I was, you know, I was one of the ones leading the team. And so we just, there was a lot of, you know, WhatsApp threads going on all the time. Right. Oh, hey, Shiloh. Oh, goodness. Um, what did you do? <laughs> so, you know, there was that. So I would I would homeschool in the mornings. I would, like, check my phone for work stuff. Uh, my coworker, my co-leader, Jason, and I would check in, like, I'm pointing like anyone can see. But just trust me, I'm pointing in an expressive direction with my hands. A lot is expressed through the voice. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we would check in, like, before all of our kids went to, went to school. Or mm-hmm. mine just went to the that room actually in there for school uh i would start schooling then that would be to like lunchtime or one o'clock the babysitter would come i would leave and i would have three hours max of writing time okay before at a time ever before i came home and had to like switch that you know flip that switch again right so i would drive to the church go to the church basement 
if I need to, I take a walk to clear my head. It's very difficult to switch gears, like when you're. I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. And then you're trying those, to like do a deep dive into your soul. Those are like, completely different like headspaces. It's, it's really hard. So some days, like some days, I was I would walk down there and I would lay on the floor. There was this little room. They were so generous to let me use this room. I had a key to this room that had the piano in it. I would lay on the floor and close my eyes and do some breathing exercises. And then I'd be like, all right, it's time to work. You have to write. doesn't matter if it's good. You got to write. You know, and I would yeah. just write for two hours. Three hours was like a generous day at a time. That's a pretty significant amount of time, though. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's a little tough when you're It's just getting your head in it. You know, yeah. And sometimes I'd like get up and take a walk around downtown Lakeland because like nothing was happening. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd go back, um, but I did that every day, uh, for at least like two hours, and that's how that first record got made. Okay. And then I would be, I would go upstairs to the church office, check on things, see if there was anything I'd missed that I needed to do. I'd do that, and then I drive home, and then we'd be into like dinner prep and everything else and then the rest of the day and so it was like that back and forth that whole year um which was i mean what a gift to even be able to like leave the house to do it as i learned last year right well that's interesting <laughs> you know? too because that record comes out in 2019 november of 2019 wow so it had like two good months <laughs> did you plan on touring that record oh i did i had so many plans <laughs> There were so many plans. Oh, my goodness. That's a really, that's so fascinating to think about that time, the timeline there. Yeah. And yeah. you, and what you, what you said earlier about the fact that you're in such a better place mm-hmm. about like processing, mm-hmm. you know, the intervening years and the mm-hmm. things that you were going through with the church and just life in general. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to think about how one of the most traumatic things to happen in a generation happens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you know and then you're not only able to get to a good place yeah yeah but you also then make this other gorgeous record thank you yeah i wrote like 50 songs last year that's i don't even understand how like yeah so how did the process change then like Mm -hmm. so then now you're you know you're when did you leave the church well, we I resigned in January of oh boy. My brain's getting scrambled. It was after Advent, so it would have been Jan- January of 2019, I believe. Okay. All right, and then November the record that comes out. Right. And then I went so I went to LA and recorded in June. Okay. And that was a few weeks and then I came home and then it was like started planning for that and then the record came out in November. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So that's not very much time though. I like in the in the grand scheme of things to process Mm-mm. like the heaviness of everything that you were going through. It wasn't. I don't think I processed it till the pandemic. Okay. Honestly. And and did that did the pandemic help that or or like um uh accelerate that? I think so. I think I've heard several creative people say this, that like being stuck at home in our little whatever you're, whether you're alone or you're with people or whatever, but you've, we kind of had a choice. Like we could face the things. Yeah. Or we could go completely nuts. Yeah. And I really do feel like that time 
I feel like somehow, even though so much like awful stuff has happened because of that pandemic, I can also see where it was so good for me not to go on tour and not to play all those festivals and like yeah. to have to sit with it. Yeah. Because I'm characteristically like just I'll just go. I'll just keep going. Right. And I definitely, you know, as an introvert and then a person who just been through a lot, I hadn't had the space to process because anytime I was alone, I was working on music. Any yeah. any minute I had, I was working on music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that time, yeah, it was it was good for processing. And I feel like Jack, my husband and I were we'd been through so much together through that first record. Mm. He'd also changed jobs. Mm, it was like another big thing too. It, yeah. yeah. It was like as many things could be different as as we're different, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and, you know, financially, you know, we have all these kids. We were putting away my salary to pay for that first record. Yeah. Um and but then so you twenty twenty rolls around. March of twenty twenty was when I don't know when you guys would have shut down. We shut down on March 13th. I remember that very. Uh, that's about right. Yeah. 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 Because Chris had her art show on Thursday. It opened on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And then s Sunday, the announcement came that like Monday or Tuesday we were shutting down. Yep. So her art goes up. I mean, we were all feeling it, right? Yep, like everybody yep, in the creative in yep. doing creative work was so feeling much it. Was coming. We had this great art show. Um, I we we did a radio spot at WPRK cool. with um, with uh, Frankie Messina and Matt Woods was there. you know Matt mm -hmm. Matt Woods was there and he did he did a I haven't um, seen him in forever. He's great. He's so great. Um, yeah, he was he he was in the in the studio and Chris was there. It was just like one of the, like everything felt felt like it was clicking for sure, you know. And like yeah. the, with the show, I felt like things were just really like I had just interviewed uh, Ben Nichols from Lucero and I had just done G Love and Ooh. like all these things were going, you know. Like I was on fire and mm -hmm. she was on fire and we were all on fire and, and then, then <laughs> but. Similar, I think, to what you're talking about. Like, I love how you put it. I haven't heard it put that way. That we all we, we all sat there and we had a choice. Mm -hmm. We can either, you know, face this thing, like mm -hmm. face these things that we needed to face, whatever yeah. those things were for each yeah. of us. Yeah. You know, or go crazy. And yeah. I think as I look around, like most of the folks I know face the thing. Me too. Yes, right? I like can they, say that about some, everybody. Some some didn't, and I and I I feel for them, and. Tragically, we lost a lot of folks during we that did. time as a mm -hmm. result, especially uh, songwriters and musicians. Like, breaks my heart to think about like folks that were really going through it at that time. But for the most part, I feel like the people I'm talking to were like, they you know what? It. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna make something beautiful. And out of holy it. crap! Look at all the beauty that has come out of it this year. Yeah, we're like drowning in amazing music and art and movies and like every week. Every week, like, yeah. I can't even keep up. Yeah. Every week there's some other record that I'm just t totally obsessed with. Yeah. 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 So I definitely feel like that was that for us, you know. And in writing, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm such a feeler when it comes to writing. And I go by where my heart's at, even if I'm using, you know, like, there's a couple songs on the record that have very... There's some biblical imagery, and then there's some like Edgar Allan Poe inspired imagery. Mm -hmm. That's all though filtered through where I was, mm -hmm. um, and I think that 
because we were dealing with stuff and we had been and we were all stuck together. So when I was writing, that's such a contrast. I can't, if you'd asked me three years ago if I could write music at home, I would have just like been like, no, it's so loud. <laughs> it's so loud at my house. You're here at a quiet time because yeah, everyone's it's in bed. peaceful right now. <laughs> Normally, everyone's talking at once and they're awesome. The kids are amazing, but it's definitely yeah. like a three ring circus. Yeah, at yeah. least three. Right, rings. right, right. <laughs> Simultaneously going. Three little rings. Where's this like Cirque du Soleil <laughs> yeah. where they do it all at one time? Yeah, That's my yeah. kids. So we had. Um, one of my best friends came to live with us when so when we all thought remember when we all were so silly we thought it would be like oh two or three weeks and we'll be right, back to normal right. she lived alone so she came and moved in with us yeah uh in that front guest room and jack and i and chloe were all working from home and we had kids who were doing school from home yeah and we had one our one super close friend who'd been babysitting for us since she was 13 she said you guys will be my people and we'll be a little pod and she would come help in the afternoons. So my transition went from having like space, quiet space in the church basement to locking, this <laughs> so embarrassing, locking myself in my bedroom and my little desk. I would take blankets and like shove them against the door in my bedroom. So yep. it was a little quiet, marginally quieter. Yeah. And I had a whiskey drawer in my in my vanity <laughs> in case I needed to take the edge off just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. requires quite a bit of discipline. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I need to be able to come up with something good, so a little sip is fine. Oh, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I I think about that quite a bit. Like, I, for me, none of my good creative stuff comes post, like, one one drink, Mm -mm. you know? I'm the same. The bottom of a cup of coffee is usually where the best stuff comes from. I would not have done well in the 1970s. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how they do it. (laughs) If I get drunk, I can't play guitar at all. Like I, I I can't even. I can't do anything. So I love Alanis Morissette, but if I am drunk, I sound like Alanis Morissette, (laughs) and I just can't. I can't. I I love her. Alanis, I love you. Oh, I want a Van Plating cover record, Alanis Morissette cover record. Okay. Um, when Fine. you're drunk, if we can maybe get that some of these days. If we can live track it, that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. We'll Let's see it. if we can make that happen. Oh my, that's exactly what I sound like if I'm drunk. So <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. Well, when, okay, so you got your, you got your whiskey drawer, you got your, your blankets <laughs> under the, under the yes. door. Your, you wrote fifty songs that I way. I did. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's sitting over here in the corner nodding i sure did that's that's amazing to me in a, in a lot of ways i mean i so because physical space a lot of times so for example one of the questions that i used to ask mm-hmm. artists a lot that i never ask anymore is if they ride on the road because 99 percent of them is just say no i can't ride on the road yeah um unless you're jeff tweedy yeah like yeah well yeah yeah. Mr. Show Off. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, love you, Jeff. Right. Yeah, Jeff, if you're I'm listening. Like lady shout out tonight. Seriously. <laughs> I hope that that Jeff Tweedy shout out gets him on the show. <laughs> you're overdue, Jeff. Uh, I've only asked once, though. I've only asked once, and I did get a response from his cool. people who kindly said, Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no, One they day. Were, they were really nice about it, and they said, I don't think it's going to happen this time. I said, Okay. Um, <laughs> 
when he played the plaza when he was touring uh that record warm mm-hmm. and he played the plaza and he played it in store at at park Ave cds and uh like he did like five songs you know just him and like a he had a parlor guitar mm-hmm. and nice. the, the thing that really struck me about about that and this well, man, we've gone on a tangent now but watching jeff tweedy play mm-hmm. you realize like you don't have to be fancy Mm-mm. he doesn't even sometimes play a chord no he just sort of like touches the guitar yeah and then says this wild stuff and yeah. he doesn't have a great voice he has a unique voice exactly and he but he just he makes it work he owns it he's such mm-hmm. a prolific commentator on the world even though half the time his lyrics don't make any sense yeah it's it's amazing to me to think like so often when i'm creating something i think this must change people's lives yeah <laughs> you know? i know exactly like... what you mean yeah <laughs> um and I, so uh, kind of tying that back into to that space that you're in um for you and your process you had this space in the church mm-hmm. which sounds like a pretty conducive space to create awesome because it was like a you know it was a basement room nobody ever went down in fact i think i still have stuff in there you know yeah 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 (laughs) um nobody ever goes down there no whiskey drawer there (laughs) although the whiskey's down the hall it's presbyterian church so we're cool with that all right all right right. i moved from baptist to presbyterian for a reason right right Uh, (laughs) that's where i went wrong that's probably probably down the hall and um jason i'm sorry for all the whiskey that i drank out of your stash (laughs) um yeah and it was so it was just so quiet yeah, it was yeah. so quiet, and because it was quiet, time would stretch in that space. Oh, interesting. It really would. Like, I would, you know, like, say, I usually would turn notifications off on my phone, but I would check it because we had a babysitter at the house. Or, like, maybe he he was coming home, Jack was coming home and taking over, or whatever. I would check it, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, it's only been an hour. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, it's not like that. Right. Time goes fast right. in this house. Right, right. Um, so it was interesting that I wrote more here than I ever did when I had a room to myself and time. Interesting. Are you okay? So this may tie back into some of the things we were talking about with sort of elements of your personality. Mm-hmm. Do you think you need that like urgency, that sense of urgency to make things? Hmm. maybe not need but do you think you no, perform th- better is maybe a better, better I, way to say I think that's an insightful way to put it yeah I do think I perform better when there's urgency because I can't pick it apart mm. I you know even with this new record I wrote these songs deliberately with a lot of attention to the craft but I've forced myself not to overthink them oh wow and so writing at home, as much as I probably complained about it off and on when people were like yelling and screaming and I, I couldn't hear myself, at the same time, the energy of it, the energy of being here, the energy of knowing I only had a little bit of time before somebody would be beating down my door. Because it's not just my kids. So this neighborhood is awesome because there's lots of kids. We sort of, so you see there's a gate behind us. The listeners can't see it. So that goes to the next door neighbors. They have four kids too. Oh, right on. And this is also their house. So I would have, you know, during the pandemic, all of them were at home. 
Yeah. And inevitably, somebody needed to like show me something or knock on the door or whatever. And so the urgency was definitely there. Yeah, yeah. While I was locked away writing in my bedroom with the blankets against the door. Right. And um, I think between just having the confidence of like having been through the process of can I even still do this? Do I even know how to write songs anymore? Uh, I wasn't uh-huh. there anymore. I was in the space where I knew I could. Yeah. To knowing I have a limited amount of time, and instead of making that a stressor, making it an opportunity. Uh, it became uh, an opportunity. Right. And I love <clears throat> challenges. I'm so competitive, and I love challenges, and I love challenging myself. So I would just challenge myself to finish something. And it mm. became a habit. Because it became a habit, that's how I ended up writing so much last year. I started two records last year. So how did you decide what went on this record? It it was all feel. Yeah. Like the stories that were getting told in those songs, the nine songs that ended up there, it felt like, you know, at least to me, having lived them, it felt like there was an arc of beginning from this place which is kind of where the last record ended bird on a wire kind of starts where that last period ended for me where i was just tired and um kind of felt like i was lost and wandering in the dark and then this record ends with healing you know yeah and um so the songs that sort of felt right for that all kind of naturally chose themselves i really didn't have to sit down and think too much about it yeah i just kind of knew you know, the way down the title track kind of set ended up setting the tone sort of accidentally for everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it just happened naturally. And the other songs sort of also, you know, happened naturally and feel like they go together. I can't tell if I sound lazy or mystical. When no, I say you it just sound, feels you sound like mystical, it feels yeah. like it, I just. I shake the magic eight ball and then I know. Yeah, you sound, (laughs) I think I'm wearing my driving and crying hat. You sound like Kevin Kinney right now. (laughs) That's how he talks about the process too. Um, You talked about the healing and Mm -hmm. the record ends with oxygen that I I Mm -hmm. raved about um, several times. It's such a good song. And and I think... I think it jumped out to me even more because your performance at Americana Fest... I think I said something to you about it after Mm -hmm. that performance, or maybe I said to you while you were practicing. I don't remember, but there was a moment where I first heard it Mm -hmm. and I went like, Oh shit, that's a, that's a hell of a song. Thank you. And it, it hit me really hard. And then the more I listened to it, the more Mm -hmm. it reveals, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of complexity to that particular Mm -hmm. tune. Um, and so it makes sense to me that what you said about it naturally kind of being Mm -hmm. the closer can you talk about that particular song? Sure. It's a, it's a record that is top to bottom outstanding, and that Thank one you. still somehow rises for me, you mm-hmm. know, when I, to my ears. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, like, how that came about? Yes. And, you know, how, how you feel about that song? Um, that song was one of the last ones to be written. Okay. Uh, so, th- so the record was recorded over the span of a year. Three different sessions in Virginia uh, at my friend's studio, Brian Elijah Smith's studio. And that song, I think I wrote it a week or two before I ended up... I didn't know it was going to be on the record until I wrote it. And then I wrote it, 
And like I said, I'm a very immediate decision type of person. I wrote it and knew it was going on that record. I knew it had to go on that record. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd written Dirty Frame, which is the more upbeat one. Yep. Um, That's a great tune. And it goes, those two songs go hand in hand for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and so I felt like, I think I I talked about this at my show at Americana Fest and you were sitting there and I talked about body surfing as a kid. Yeah. And on the beach in Florida. Mm -hmm. And you're like so awake and alive in those moments, you know, and the ocean's just pummeling you. And that's how I finally felt about my life. Mm. Like I could keep going back for more and more and more and more because I'm alive and I'm free and I'm myself. And that feeling of recovery and just the oneness of existence i guess you could say yeah yeah um that song just flowed um i had been screwing around with that finger picking progression sitting right here on this couch outside on the patio i wrote the song right here all right where we're sitting jack was sitting where he's sitting and uh i was just sitting here and um You know, it started with that first line, Oh, hollow breath, I hate to see you go. And are we brave enough to face what we're unsure of? And I was thinking back, you know? I was thinking back when I wrote it. Wow. So, okay. The the physical space here is... Mm -hmm. is, Because I think one of the things that I I thought about was like just how... That imagery is so stark. And mm-hmm. maybe part of it is also growing up in Florida sure. and knowing exactly what you're talking about from mm-hmm. the literal sense. And mm-hmm. then there's there's the metaphor in, uh, there as well, and there's the layers to the song. Mm-hmm. You're sitting right there mm-hmm. and you're finger picking. Are you, do you have a notebook out? Like yes. from like a granular level, you have a notebook out and you're yes. like picking and then you're writing? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Yes. Um, the song goes, Oh, hollow breath, I hate to see you go. Brave enough to face what we're unsure of. Hanging on against the undertow and I'm slipping, scraping ground. My shoulders bruised. Yeah. My mouth is full of sand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just legit what I was just thinking about that and how that felt like my life. And yeah. how I'd finally recaptured that like childlike joy yeah. of like being okay with some pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just love being alive. And I feel whole. Un- unburdened by all the things that we as adults often get weighed down with. Yes. Yes. Recovering that childlike wonder and that childlike yeah. uh, courage. There's a real bravery to being a kid and being tender to the world. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's beautiful that you got to that place. I'm grateful to be in that place. I yeah. hope I never leave it. I know. I, I feel like I'm close. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm close right yeah. now. And I know it's weird to say this in this way, but it's true. I mean, the the fact that just yesterday I found out my student loans are gone. Amazing. It 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 like it's amazing how much we ascribe to financial burdens of mm-hmm. certain sorts, right? And I'm in the grand cosmic scheme of things, I'm fortunate that, you know, I had a fucking law degree. Right. <laughs> you know, that, you know, ultimately, 
it's really not like you know what I mean. Like it's ultimately like if you zoom out, sure, it, you know. But at the same time, the burden of there's that, a bondage there, there though, is. for there sure. Is. There is, there, there definitely is. is. That's valid, I think. And it's interesting how when you feel a bondage of any sort, when you feel tethered to a thing, yeah. That's the thing about being a kid, is that you're not tethered to really much other than maybe your parents right. or you know. I don't know. Not much, though. You're not really tethered to anything. Everything's right. new and everything you you kind of. And you're present. Yeah. You're really present. Yeah. In the moment. Like, I can close my eyes and feel my skin hitting the sand. Oh, it's beautiful. You know? Yeah. And the more distracted I get, the less close I am, the less intimacy I have with those feelings. Right. And if we miss out on those feelings, we're missing out on some of the best stuff there is. All the good bits. Yeah. That yeah. is all the good bits. The sand hitting you like that, the bruise mm. on your the, the bruise yeah. on your shoulder. Getting flipped over by those getting waves. Flipped over by those waves. <laughs> Coming up and your That's parents the good like bits. being like just keep Yeah, yeah. It was the eighties for me. Eighties <laughs> yeah, 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 and nineties. Yeah, my parents yeah. were like, just turn you're fine. Tiger sharks you're like jumping fine. over you. <laughs> they're fine. It's Florida, they're fine. We're driving our cars on the beach back then. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Hell yeah, we were. Like like it's normal <laughs> to drive your car on the beach. <laughs> That's what we ought to do. Welcome to Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ought to have cars on the beach. <laughs> We thought that was totally normal. I did at least. I did it every week. I did it all the time. When I could drive, I drove. I was the one driving the Jeep to the beach. It's so funny. I remember when I went to college, I went to West Palm Beach. I went to a Baptist school to play baseball. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you can't drive on the beach down there. And I was like, what the fuck kind of <laughs> beach is this? <laughs> We, we legit What are we doing here? We wouldn't go to beaches that you couldn't drive on. And yeah. we thought that was snobby somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Daytona is snobby. Right? Like, like I got to go to the fancy beach, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid from Apopka, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think, so that's interesting, too. I think that, that's something that we that we share is that, you know, I grew up in Ocala. Yeah. And, uh. It seems like we had kind of similar, but also pretty different. It seems like your yeah. your family situation was a little different from mine, sure. but you grew up, you know, in Baptist. a similar part of the we world. Had some yeah, Baptistness. Exactly, like heavy we, doses of Baptistness. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to me that, like, you know, that that your life went the direction that it did. It's so it's so crazy to me. Like, I, I keep running into people that I didn't know growing up. Right. Like Monday, I'll, I'm going to interview Kristen Arnett, the author. Yeah. Right? Stoked. Yeah, yeah. Stoked. And she grew up in Orlando. Yeah. And she was born like six days after me. Wild. Right? So, yeah. like, I'm so fascinated to talk to her. Yeah. Because we're about this almost exactly the same age. We're, but our, and we grew up not that far from each other, an mm -hmm. hour and a half from each other. And our existences are so different but i feel this connection to this person i've never met sure <laughs> yeah know? that's fascinating and i think part of it is geography though i think yeah. there is something to growing up in this place mm -hmm. for sure it is such a unique place for better and for worse absolutely absolutely <laughs> what is the scene so uh, i'm i'm really interested in back then there was a, a an, an indie scene mm -hmm. here and now there's this like 
pretty cool Americana scene yeah, in Lakeland. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm interested in like what it's like now at this stage in your life with everything you have going on in your life. Yeah. New record, friends that are, you know, are are playing on the record and are mm-hmm. helping out with the record, but then also doing their own really cool things yeah, too. Yeah. What is that? What does that look like for y'all? Are you able to get together and like jam? No, or, I wish not we really did. A thing, huh? I wish we did. Yeah. Um. At least not right now. I mean, I. You know, I feel like maybe, maybe like part of that is pandemic life still kind of having its little thing in yeah. our social lives because yeah, just yeah. nobody does anything it's as if none of us artists go out unless we're playing yeah that's just how it is yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, maybe part of that's you know all of us have almost all of us in in my kind of age bracket have kids right. the younger folks the younger folks <laughs> the children the children yeah uh they're they tend to well even them though they're mostly like playing if they're out they're playing if not they're like tucked in by 10 o'clock you know right um but i do feel as if i, f- I feel as if that whole aspect of community for better or for worse has kind of shifted to social media and you know i feel as if like i've collaborated on some stuff over the past few months just remote you've seen me on twitter with yeah. like my violin I'm right like, right y'all yeah. hire me because i'm poor <laughs> <laughs> and i need to make money so i can like show up at folk alliance and actually be able to do some stuff uh and so i've been able to collaborate on some of my friends records that way um but as far as just hanging out and playing music man we just don't I mean, unless I'm just not invited, which I hope isn't the case. <laughs> I don't think that's happening Yeah. Uh, so much around here. Um, but we do get together. You know, we do get together. We do hang out. Um, my friends that are playing in the band with me uh, for the album release show for, for, for this new record for me, um, they're all top-notch musicians and we're hanging out once a week learning the songs. And right, okay. They love me and hate me because my songs are deceptively complicated right right <laughs> right <laughs> um, but they're great it's like classical training coming out probably uh, yeah to, to a large it just, extent. it's not total it's sometimes intentional not all the time yeah, yeah um yeah. so there's that oh, that's interesting uh my friend josh that you know was our roommate at he's Americana so wonderful josh he's so wonderful. bummed he was gonna come by tonight i would have loved to see him he's out of town yeah for his day job um but yeah, th- there's definitely a sense of community. We just don't sit around and play music like maybe we would have 15 years ago. <laughs> right, right. You know, you know I, I, that's interesting you brought up that point about social media because I, I think for a while I was really hesitant. Like I used social media mostly for necessity. Like sure. if I want, I mean, the the medium that I produce, it, it only exists online. Sure. You know, so yeah. like... I kind of have to have right. social media. I love, tw- I truly, genuinely love Twitter. Yeah. I don't love Instagram. Yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't, but I don't love it. Sure. And I use it simply because there are people who are not on Twitter. Yeah. Who rely on Instagram to get updates about the show For and sure. about my life. Yeah. Um, but I have come to a place really probably since Americana Fest yeah where I embrace the fact that I have these friends who only exist online I am the same way 
I'm like for a while I thought that was weird, you know, like that was some sort of dystopian film or something. Yeah. But then once we all actually got together yeah. in Nashville, yeah. Once I got to meet Will Payne Harrison and hang out with you, yeah. there was all in and Rachel and yeah. like like all these people that I knew online for all of years. our music Twitter friends were there. They were all there. <laughs> music Twitter. And it, but it, it it felt the same as music Twitter. It did. And but it was in awesome. real life. Yeah. That blew my mind. That kind of, I had that same experience as you because I got to Nashville. I had never played a performance as a solo artist in Nashville before Americana Fest. That's wild. Talk about being like, that's a, that's a daunting. Yeah. But I was like, no, it's fine. I'll be fine. What? Hopefully somebody comes. I don't know. You know? <laughs> right, I had right. no idea what to expect. And, um, I, you know, Rachel was up there all week and she, she's just a wonderful friend and really good at her job. So she yeah. helped a lot. But, I get there, and I think the first venue we went to, I hear someone yelling my name from across the room, and I'm, like, confused. Van! Hey, Van! And it comes up, uh, she comes up, and it's, like, Robin from Diddy TV, and we're friends on Twitter, and she's like, it's good to see you, you know? And then, like, all my other music Twitter friends are all just, like, everybody's there, and there wasn't any awkwardness. No. Because everybody knew each other. That was mind-boggling to me, how natural it felt to meet these people in real life and how they were exactly as I expected them to be. Yeah. It was amazing Which and Which I think so is nice. what's great about Twitter, too, though. Yeah. Because I think it's not—it's hard to curate yourself. It doesn't lend itself to, like, bullshitting— no, you can't. I don't you think. can't hide on Twitter. I don't think you'd have to yeah. be like some kind of nefarious like yeah. mastermind to to be able to hide stuff. Yeah, there. like you ha- kind of have to be who you are. Will Will Payne Harrison, same thing. Like, yeah, I'd known him. I, I we didn't actually meet at the Folkia Festival in 2019. Okay, he played it. I think he saw part of my set, but I did. We didn't meet there, but we somehow connected online after that so my first time really hanging out with him was that weekend americana fest this year yeah and again it was just it's just so easy he felt like the same guy that i've exchanged tweets with he yeah you know yeah and i loved that i love and i don't know how much of that is like we call it music sw- twitter but is it like americana twitter that's like that or is it just music twitter that's like that or That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know the answer because I'm my my Twitter feed is all of you guys, you know, who right. all think and talk about art. I was terrified of Twitter for a long time because I didn't want to be any more angry than I already was about the world. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but Rachel Hurley talked me into getting on it because, you know, she's like putting all this work into helping me promote my album and I'm like not on Twitter and it was obnoxious of me not to at least try yeah 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 and i get that it's so valid sure so i started doing it and then i made friends like you and so many other friends like basically through twitter and yeah and they're really my friends like i love these people yeah i think yeah 100 percent. i i think the thing about twitter that people don't understand is it, it 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 rightfully has its own stereotypical reputation. Sure. Sure. There's a lot of awful stuff on there. Yeah. But I think what's different about Twitter is that it is so easy to curate mm-hmm. compared for, for what you want compared to some of the other social media. And I don't mean that as in terms of it's just an echo chamber. No, but I'm far more likely to see what I actually would be interested in right. seeing on Twitter somehow than yeah. I am on any of the other platforms. Yeah, and and I, but I, I okay. So to to the point you asked or the question you asked earlier, I do wonder how much of it is like 
Americana music, right? Sort of like a certain personality because, like, right. My partner Chris, I wonder that too. Pull, like, I, I, she pulled up my Twitter the other day. I just happened mm-hmm. to have my computer open. Yeah. She was scrolling through. She's like, "Your Twitter's boring," and I was like, <laughs> "What? No, it's the best." Like, look at look at this comment about this record, and look yeah. at this comment about this record, yeah. and there's a Jaguars tweet, yeah. and uh, you know, and, yeah. so, and to me, it was just the most interesting in the world. But she's like, "There's no tattoos, and there's no um, paintings, or you know, or like." visual art yeah. um, and i was like well that's, i guess that's true because i'm not interested in tattoos other than i appreciate hers but look at all 25 <laughs> albums that came yeah, out today yeah, exactly <laughs> she just wasn't interested in that <laughs> but i think it, it is like depending it, it lends itself like for her who is a visual artist yeah instagram makes a lot more sense sure. whereas for me who is much more interested in like well the albums and the books sure and literary tour is another thing like i'm trying to get into there i'm trying to trying to get involved yeah. there and like have more authors on the show. Um, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different yeah. beast. Yeah. You it know? Is. But I do think maybe w- to, to answer your question, I wonder if it's just sort of like the people that are drawn to the Americana kind yeah, of, maybe Americana Twitter is just like a more chill. Yeah. Witty, funny. I'm not that, f- I'm not funny on Twitter, but I'm friends with people who are, and I enjoy that. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, I I I want to be. I feel like Twitter is one of those things where it, it's funny how talking about competitive. I want to be better at it. <laughs> so my I had a fangirl moment on Twitter a few days ago. Uh-huh. I know. Have you um, tried to get Lawrence Rothman on the on the show yet? No, I haven't. So uh-uh. they followed me back on Twitter a few days ago, and okay. I haven't quite gotten over it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawrence, if you're listening. <laughs> come on the show. I would. I very much like to work with you someday. And work with Van Plating. And you should come on the show because you're magical and and I think you're great. <laughs> yep, that sounds. But that's the kind of thing that'll happen on Twitter. It and will it'll never happen on Instagram. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, every once in a while you'll get that on Instagram, but I think the conversations tend to be more direct on Twitter. Yeah. And so. With like the following and following back and commenting and commenting back, it's not as diluted. It's, it's not. just interesting. I love Instagram. I'm very visual. You know, I've right. s- some of my friends pick on me a little bit about how like how much I post to Instagram, but <laughs> I have these visual artists that I love to work with. So I post photography because I love to do that. And why not? Right. You know. That which is a great segue to the the physical aspect of. Uh, the album the way down okay and so like the everything from the cover photo Mm -hmm. to the uh the font Mm -hmm. like there is a it is a whole vibe thank you so much and i fucking dig it thank you so much my friends helped me create that uh bethany blanton who's a photographer based here in lakeland Mm -hmm. she mostly does boudoir photography oh okay uh so she knows how to make you look well, there's awesome. there's the cover photo where you're mm-hmm. laying down, and then there's the another media photo where you're kind of you're kind of in the right third of the photo. Mm-hmm. You're wearing a dress, and that's a dope photo too. I'm trying to remember which one you're talking about um, right I, now. I wish my phone's about to die, or I'd pull it up. But um, I'm trying to think if I use it anywhere. Like, uh, yeah, it's uh, if if you look at. Um, at the review that I posted. Right oh yeah, that photo <laughs> in the yeah. middle there. Yeah, 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 that's a Bethany. That's her too, right? Yeah, it's a Bethany yeah. photo. She's amazing. She usually we work just the two of us when we shoot. 
Um, I will have like a bunch of looks set up because that's who I am. I love to <laughs> like have a bunch of. I might not have a story in my mind, but I'll know what the story is once I'm in the clothes and we're in the spot. Right, right. Okay. You know, uh-huh. um, I'm like, I'm not ashamed to say I enjoy that. I enjoy yeah. that aspect of my job. Right. Patty Smith doesn't apologize for doing that. N- yeah. I mean, I'm not as famous as her, but maybe one day. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so Bethany is just really great at capturing a moment. She's so good at it. She's so good with composition of a shot. You know, yeah. I don't frame anything for her. Yeah. And yeah. the cover photo for the album was kind of her idea. I came out in the dress that's on our front patio that we built during the pandemic, uh-huh. a garden that I planted during the pandemic. And we had one dress left and I was exhausted and I needed food. And she's like, no, we should shoot this. And I'm like, kind of being dramatic I was like but where and she goes how about on the white couch right there and I just like grabbed my guitars plopped them there plopped the violin and boom boom she had shot that very cool you know um and then the other one's Chad Cochran yeah um he's another Americana friend of Americana in general guest on the show he's amazing yeah he's such a great guy 45 I know he did the mental health yeah talk with you yeah yeah Yep. Um, and he shot a music video for New York that's coming out sometime soon. I'm not sure when. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, so that and then the font was created by an artist from Lakeland. Her name's Jenna O'Brien. Okay. Um, she had a company called 27 Lakeland and she did art, paper goods, all kinds of stuff. She had a tea shop before the pandemic closed it. She actually interned for me at the church when she was like a little college student. Oh, cool. Started business from there. And we've been close ever since then. And she created that lettering. Um, And all the branding has been Jenna. My friend Annalie did the website. And she worked with Jenna on all of the colors and how everything would work. Um, and that's also been sort of an unintentionally awesome thing. Like I have this team of women who've helped me Mm -hmm. and two years ago I had nobody and, you know, Jenna did help, but like, it wasn't like it is now. Yeah. Now I feel like I have friends in music and I also have this, you know, team when I actually have CDs, we'll have CDs by the time the album release party comes, they shipped, so they should be here. And Jenna created like an old school like CD booklet inside with all the lyrics. And I did like a thanks section. And she did all these doodles and drawings, you know, and Bethany and Chad's photography are both in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and I just, I love to collaborate. And so anytime I can collaborate with an artist, I'm down. Like, tell me where I'm down. We can go hiking. We'll do some photos in the scrub. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. I just, I love to create, and that energy fuels the music, too. And it's all a performance in a way. Not in a way that's artificial. It's very, very real for me. Yeah, yeah. But I just love all of it. So. That's so, I love all of, everything you just said. And it's so interesting, the idea of, like, you have this concept of, it sounds like, you know, you're coming in with an idea of what mm-hmm. you want things mm-hmm. to look like. And yeah, but at the same time, you trust these other absolutely creatives to bring that vision to life. And then the choices that they make mm-hmm. also, and it takes a lot of like, first of all, it takes a lot of trust, mm-hmm. uh, as I just said, 
Um, but it takes you kind of also have getting out of your ego a little bit and saying, I have this vision, I have this idea, but, um, <laughs> we just waved whiskey glasses in <laughs> international signal for bartender. <laughs> I totally ruined that. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've been going for an hour and a half. You're gonna have some editing to do, I think. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, he's gonna it shorten it. I'm sure. It does looks, not the, feel like it's been an hour and a half. The though. Patreon uh, clientele will have some special. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to drop some of this on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna lose everybody otherwise. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I started the show. I, I one of the first inspirations was uh, Pete Holmes has a podcast called You Made It Weird. I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's um. I used to really, really dig it, but but in the but the reason why I really dug it was because I was living in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And I was dating Chris, and she was living in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So that's about it was about a almost exactly a two hour drive door to door. Pete Holmes' show is almost exactly two hours every time. Man, you know and that's dedication. It's a lot. Like for the listener, yeah. That's like an investment. It is. But I mean, he's got like Mike Birbiglia sure, and sure, like Camille yeah. and Nagiani and all these yeah. people on. I think I could do it, you know? But the other thing about it is that like and I don't know if people would stick with it or not if I if I went that long. The thing that holds me back from going too long is is the editing. Is like I just don't have time to like Well, yeah, and how are you going <laughs> to choose what you share when you feel like you had such a good conversation? It's got to be hard to kind of you have to, right? Yeah. Because you, you want to hold people's attention. Thank but you. I mean, albums are like that too. Yeah. You know, like this new album that I'm putting out, I intentionally kept the song short because I was getting a good bit of radio play on some internet stations. And I thought, man, like, what if I could try to play to that in a way that's not in like a weird, cringy way, but like, could I keep these stories concise enough? You know? That's its own creative challenge too. Yeah. That's and what that I love felt good about to me. that review under two that I've been doing every mm-hmm. episode is that it forces, it forces an economy of words. Yeah. If you don't give me boundaries, I'll write you 5,000 words. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> We're know? both bad at editing. I'm so bad at editing. <laughs> like I don't have, I don't get writer's block. I, I could no. write, you know, I could, I could have spilled 5,000 words about your record, but like it, no matter how good the words <laughs> are, people are like, dude, I'm <laughs> like, not wow. looking for an Atlantic they article. Scroll, they see all the paragraphs like all, and they're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the little side scroll thing. <laughs> yeah. Nah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's really interesting, that economy of words. And, like, yeah. I, I kind of talked about this on the Justin Corsby episode. He talked about, mm-hmm. like, the economy of words with Todd Snyder's songs. I thought that was really interesting in how he talked about, like, kind of creating a world behind these sing- singular phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really cool, the interplay between music and imagery. And that is really how you write. When you write songs, you're living in that world. So it would make sense that you could create a world around those lyrics. Like, if they're good lyrics, I mean, in my mind, which yeah. is, like, good lyrics would tell you a story or take you somewhere, you know, then, yeah, of course, he could find the what's the line about the pool hall and make it a whole thing. Yeah. You know, that makes sense to makes me. Makes it a whole act of a, of a film. Yeah, and that's that's amazing that it, it really kind of was all there, even though he 
obviously like took creative license and filled in some background and, and all of that. But the idea was when he heard that song, that world came alive in his mind. And to a different listener, that would have been a completely different experience. Yes. That's what I think is cool about music. How comfortable are you with once you have a song out or an mm -hmm. album out, how comfortable are you with the listener interpreting whatever that... I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's for them. Yeah. Even, but, but I think it's interesting on this record because there are so many very, very personal experiences yeah, that really you share. Personal. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so okay with it, but I really am. I really am okay. I want, you know, I've gone through a lot to even be able to do this with my life. So to me, it's the ultimate compliment is somebody connects with something that I've said, even if where they connect with it is completely different from where I got the imagery. Right. You know, um, gosh, I'm just really okay with that. I, I feel like that's the idea between be like of, of literature and of art works of art is that they'll outlast you and hopefully reach somebody. And to me, it's totally fine if, if they get something out of it that's different. Now, you know, I haven't gotten anything like super negative. So maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah. part of my Somebody's like, my I want to murder someone yeah, after listening I mean, to New York or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I haven't know? gotten that. So maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, I'm I'm so I'm so cool. This with is my it. murder music, <laughs> right? Like that's not what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to stay away from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if somebody feels seen by the song, I think that that's cool, and I'm okay with it applying to wherever they're at. You know. Would you have had the same answer when the self-titled record came yes. out? Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Okay. Hundred percent. Very cool. Um. I'm still like surprised that people listen to my music. <laughs> so, you know. Right, right. And honestly, I told I told my husband this the other day. I hope I never forget this stage. I never want to forget being this invested. I never want to get distant mm. from the work. I never want to get distant from the people who listen to the work and connect with it. Yeah. I don't ever want that to be my reality because everything means something to me now. Oh, wow. And that's important. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the reasons that my songs resonate is because they really are real. Right. I'm not just, m like, making up random shit to a melody. They're yeah. real. Yeah. Um, even that, like, Ghost in the Garden song that's, like, the weirdest song on the record. It is a weird song. I love it, though. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. what? It's so weird. Yeah. It's so creepy. Yeah. I did it all on purpose. Uh, if I ever had a music video, I know exactly how I would want it to look. Oh, cool! For I that see song. that. Yeah. Um. But even that one, like, it came from like a real place, and I just, yeah. If, how do you want the music video to look? Can you share? Okay, so, um, I was really into Edgar Allan Poe when I was a, like a middle schooler, like upper elementary, middle school, a little young to be into Ed Edgar Allan yeah, Poe. Yeah, yeah. I can relate. I loved it. I yeah. loved his imagery. Yeah. And I remember seeing a play. I We saw the Telltale Heart and a couple others in Orlando at that, um, the theater. That's Bob Carr. No, it was the small one. It was an independent theater company in College Park. I can't remember the oh, name College of it right Park. now. College Park, I don't know. 
Anyway, it's still a thing, and I wish I could remember the name, and I'm sorry that I don't. But they performed these play these as plays, his short stories as plays, and Dope. it was so scary yeah, and so but, good. Yeah, like it gripped your heart. That's what Edgar Allan Poe does. He grips your heart while he creeps you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not a lot of gothic. And he puts it like in a in a box and he yeah. buries it. <laughs> so in the Telltale Heart, right? Like yeah. the guy commits a murder and then he hides the body, mm-hmm. but his guilt is kind of making him insane. And in that song, Ghost in the Garden, it's playing a lot with the idea of, well, there, there's a couple layers to that song. One, I had just read a piece in No Depression about murder ballads, mm. and it got me thinking about all the murder ballads I grew up on, because I grew up on a lot of bluegrass. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, what if the narrative is flipped? Like, what if what if the woman, instead of, like, getting murdered and thrown in a river or something? Yeah. Or instead of being in a, abused and then murdering the guy, like, what if she tells the truth and walks away? Yeah, And yeah. we don't, maybe, maybe we don't know what happens to her down the line. You know, it's definitely her ghost is singing to us, but she's coming from a place of freedom and truth and honesty. Oh, my goodness. So that's where that song came from. And then uh, there's a line in the second verse of that song that says, um, you caught your heart in your teeth, death's watching in the walls. <sighs> And I was thinking about Poe and reading Poe and how this guy in that story, you know, was consumed with his guilt. And finally he confesses and he can hear like the beating of the heart and no one else can. And I was just taken with that imagery contrasted with this idea of, you know, being a woman who's had a lot of friendships with men in the arts and this interesting tension that tends to happen and watching this like you know there's so much this beautiful about masculinity and then there's a lot of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and seeing a friend who's walking through something that he's putting himself through and being sort of a casualty of that and choosing to tell the truth and walk away instead of me becoming a casualty of it too oh my that's where that song came from. That's where that whole mm. weird imagery came from. And so in my wow. mind, the imagery of the video would be we're in the desert. I'm in like head to toe black Victorian Gothic stuff. And I'm just like trying to get out, you know. Um, but it's a solitary figure who's already escaped something. You know, yeah, uh-huh. and is just facing camera and telling the truth and is alive. Wow. So that's a lot of ideas to pour into one. Yeah, but in the hands song. of the uh, in the hands of the film of a filmmaker, they could make that happen, right? Yeah. And wait, so the inspiration for that song that's a like a a situation you had with someone who did choose to walk away. Yes. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, right? And it doesn't happen very much. It doesn't happen. So seeing that, kind of, every once in a while these days, we'll see glimmers of like maybe a new tomorrow, not in the way they used to do it at Epcot growing up, (laughs) but like an actual new tomorrow, (laughs) where, you know, maybe people tell the truth. 
and love each other and can be friends with each other in a way that's not polluted by oh my gosh all the bullshit that is so great because there is this overcorrection so to speak that happens in today's world and then to come back to it you said something wonderful earlier which is that there's a beauty to masculinity and then there's yeah. a toxicity as well yeah and the idea that we can celebrate masculinity yeah when it's when it is a positive influence and not yeah. when it is yeah. toxic isn't a conversation that I'm experiencing very often. Right. Cause it, it, you know, especially as somebody who identifies very much as a man mm -hmm. and like who th thinks of himself as masculine, that's mm -hmm. certainly a thing that I don't talk about. You know what I mean? Like, whereas yeah. I, that wasn't even a question 10 years ago. Right. Now I tread so softly, which is probably good. Yeah. Right. Because I, I, I yeah. also have to recognize how toxic that can manifest itself if I'm not aware of it. Sure. And how toxic that has manifested itself in my past. And then to, to come to a, some sort of medium there, right. Mm -hmm. To come to some sort of like balance. Right. Need, you have to wrestle with it and talk about it and deal Absolutely. with it. We can't just pretend like it's not still there. No, we can't. And I think that's the beauty of, of you know, within feminism, growing into your strength and your power without growing bitter, which I see so many women doing this so well now. Um, and I didn't see it growing up, I think, because I grew up in a place that was very much anti-feminism. Mm -hmm. But now I'm so surrounded by women that I look up to and believe in, and they're doing it with graciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's, it goes back to what we said at the beginning of our conversation about being honest and being kind. There's yeah. a beauty to masculinity. Absolutely. It doesn't need to be a toxic thing. It often is. Right, sure. Right, right, right. In, in, in the culture that we live in, I mean, we're steeped in like white patriarchal culture from, you know, in the, in the womb in this country. It's starting to change, but we're a ways away. Right. right? We're, we're still a ways off. A from, long ways away. We're a long ways away from seeing the fruit of the people who started the work you know, wait, I mean, I was just on the sixth grade trip with my kid, right, in Charleston, mm -hmm. one of the biggest, you know, ho horrible places of slavery in yeah. America. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a long ways to go now it, from where we were. And it's been hundreds of years, you know, and all of that's tied together. But yeah, oh, my gosh, there's 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 a beauty to masculinity. We need all of it. Yeah. We need all of it, you know, and we and we need to approach our traits, I think, with a place of humility and honesty and grace with each other that I've found more of that in the music community, I think, than I've ever found anywhere else. But I would love to see that trickle Man, outward. Man, that's great. Gosh, that's great. Because those are messy, complicated conversations. It is. It is. But if I think if you can, you know, if you can distill these conversations into like Safe relationships, first of all. Yep, Have yep. conversations with people that who are open to talking about it with you. Yeah. And people who are coming from a place of love, then you can get somewhere. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere with somebody who's angry. Right. You know, and some people have every right to be angry. Um, but it's not productive. No, it's not productive. Even if you have the right to be angry, that anger is, anger is, is never productive in my experience. Right. Same. It's, it's never it's never been productive. But if I can come from a place that where I'm confident 
in who I am and yet humble in like asking some questions can i ask some questions can i ask more questions than make statements you know then i think that that's really cool and i mean i've been blessed like i've been married to my best friend for a really long time yeah and he's a pretty cool guy yeah and we we met when we were really young and he's always been open to having conversations yeah and i think that's why we've ended up together yeah but those are your best friendships and those relationships. That's like, that's what's going to change the world. It's relationships. Gosh, it's not like, yes, 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 yes. It's not getting in your Facebook group and reposting some sort of, you know, yeah. anger rant that's going to change things. Yeah. It's really seeing each other for our full humanity, you know, whatever that might be. Right. And seeing the beauty and how we're made and like embracing it. And like, what do we have to be afraid of if we're being honest? Nothing. Right. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> what do we have to be afraid of if we're being honest? It's so nothing. perfectly said. Absolutely nothing. Well, I would argue death, but that's a whole other podcast. Okay, that's the next next one. Somebody else can tackle that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, well, my therapist tackles it once every two weeks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, thanks, Leonie. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So we've been going for uh, six and a half hours now. (laughs) What? um, As you know, we always end on. So there's actually two things I want to do. Okay. Cool. One is I want to end on what what you're getting down on the art that's inspiring you. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then the second, you knew this was coming. And then the second is if we could spend like after you do that, if we could spend like a few minutes. This is a teaser for everybody listening. even though half of this content is probably going to go on Patreon anyway. <laughs> if we could spend a few minutes just like, and Jack, if you want to jump in, like yeah, just yeah. talking about our weekend in Nashville. Yeah, let's do it. And how fun it was and everything. Josh so, is going to be so bummed. <laughs> yeah, I wish he was here. I wish he was Me here. too. Um, but yeah, so I, I want to put that specifically on Perfect. Patreon. Um, but yeah, if you if we could just first go, you know, on our normal closer. Yeah. What are you? What's what's got you fired up right now, art wise? Oh my gosh! So, I feel like everybody I know is fired up about Emily Scott Robinson. Mm-hmm. She deserves it. Every single bit of accolade she's getting, a hundred percent. I'm with her. I've been enjoying her new record. Um, I ran into her in Atlanta a couple weeks ago when I did a Pace Live session. I didn't know she was going to be there. She played right before me. Yeah. And I found out she was playing, and I, like, booked it to the lift ride so that I could, like, sneak in enough to hear her. She's just a beautiful soul. She's a masterful, masterful storyteller. Yeah. So I would say everybody... I mean, I think everybody who listens to this probably is already probably jamming already that obsessed, record. Yeah. But She's please, the most, request, most requested guest. Emily, come be on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I am, what else am I really enjoying? Oh, my gosh. So, again, Natalie Hemby doesn't need my help, but her new record. I haven't listened to it. Every bit of you, that early, like, Y2K kid who, like, loved, like, maybe you... You can admit that you love Dashboard, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, 100%. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Rustin Kelly wishes he wrote this record. Really? It's so, so good. Oh, cool. All right, um, My kid and I were jamming her new record, Pins and Needles. Um, wow, I remembered a record title. I'm <laughs> impressed with me. Uh, we jammed that on the way home from Charleston. It's so good. Cool. All right. Um, just solid. She's such a solid writer. Amanda Shires... Christmas record 
I'm not ashamed to say I love Christmas music and I love everything about Amanda and I hope that I get to make work with her someday. Yeah, there's so much synergy there. Like if y'all, I, I'm sure that y'all would get along. I don't know her that well at all, but I, I can't imagine that y'all I want to make work with yeah. her sometime. I love how I really tend to connect with her. People talk about her being fearless. She's not fearless. Mm -mm. She's vulnerable. She's very vulnerable. And that takes She's actually a, very self-conscious, I feel like. But it, vulnerable. It and it takes a lot more courage to be vulnerable than it does to be like fearless. She's yeah. not fearless. She's bravely, gamely vulnerable over and over again. Have you, have you ever seen her play live? No. I've seen her a handful of times. So she, I, the first time I saw her, I don't think I've ever told this on the show. So this is great. The first time I saw her, I got stood up for a date. Ah. Okay. So I had tickets to see her, and I I was just moving to, back to Jacksonville for the umpteenth time yeah that town just always draws me back i'd been in uh, ocala i'd broken off this like long relationship amanda was playing her record carrying lightning was new mm -hmm. and i just i still think that and and i with all due respect to all her other records which are outstanding i mean she hasn't she's outstanding missed. she no, has not she hasn't missed. missed a single time that's my favorite like that line you walked into the room you were carrying lightning is just like <laughs> well she's a poet yeah and if people will just stop i mean she gets she's got a lot of mad respect in the industry but i still don't think she's as respected as she should be yeah as a freaking poet yeah she's just she's she's a genius mind and i love her and i want to play violin with her sometime well that's and write thing. some songs is she's such a brilliant She's a great player. She's a brilliant player, and she she played with Rob Pycott in uh, in at European Street Cafe okay. in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. So it's like this restaurant that's like the size of that room right there. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and there's no stage for her encore. She just I was sitting, so I got stood up, and my buddy went with me. So Aww. she she comes out. Yeah, and she's like from from for her encore. She like walked out. Everyone standing ovation like. They're, Rod's amazing too, and he's been on the show, and yeah. uh, I love him. But, but like standing next to her, all due respect to Rod, like there wasn't a comparison. She's oh, so she's dynamic. She's a freaking genius, and I've never even seen her live. But the thing about her yeah. live show is that she's even. I feel like she's even more vulnerable than than her sort of online persona or whatever sure. is. And back then, that was before she and Isabel were even married, right. and like this was, right. a, this was a while ago. Um, and so like he hadn't taken off and then yeah. she hadn't started to take off. And so it was a small room. Everyone's just like sort of having dinner or whatever. Yeah. And they're playing. She stood right next to me and she, uh, first of all, in person, she's just like this captivating presence. Right. She has like this glow about her, right. you know? Right. And, um, her, her like, um, just sort of self-consciousness yeah. up there, but she was giving it to sure, us. Sure, absolutely. That's what I love about her. It was amazing. That's the tension of her work. Yeah. That's is what you just yeah. said. And so, like, to say I'm excited about a Christmas record is because it's her. Yeah, yeah. She's a person yeah. who can turn any concept on its head. Mm -hmm. She's not provocative to be provocative. She's provocative because she's telling you something so much deeper. And, like, I found Lawrence Rothman through her, and I guess I'm, like, a, just a super fangirl because I'm obsessed with both of them, right. both of their work. I loved um, Lawrence's poetry record that came out a few weeks ago. Oh, I don't know that one either. Oh, there's it's a spoken word album. Who even does that? That's amazing. 
amazing. Lawrence does that, and it sounds so good. Okay. Um, You've given me so much work to do. I love it. That's yeah. I'm that's gonna be busy I tomorrow. I also have books for you, actually. Okay. After this. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> All um, right. But yeah, so that's what I'm really lit up about. I actually cool. saved Amanda's record because I knew I wouldn't be able to focus on it driving home with one of my kids with me. Right. Even right. though, like, it's a Christmas album, but I want to focus on it. I want to digest what she said, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, so I, that's I'm going to listen to it. I can't stand Christmas music. Um, You'll love hers, I think. Yeah, I'm going to listen to it because it's her. I just think it's, I I like the She and Him Christmas record, mm-hmm. and that's it. Other than that, like, and, and a lot of that goes back to the church. Like, a lot of that sure. is just, like, trauma from the church and yeah. all that. All right. My battery's about to die on this because we've gone so long. <laughs> um, but we had, we talked about connecting on Twitter. We talked about, and then we connected. Van Plating, y'all, the song you are hearing in this episode is Oxygen from her wonderful record, The Way Down. The whole thing is great. That's probably my favorite song on the album, though. Vanplating.com to buy a physical copy of that. The physical copy is beautiful. The artwork is gorgeous. A lot of thought and care went into all of that, as well as the merch that she has for sale over there, which I highly recommend. I've got a wonderful Van Plating t-shirt that I picked up at her album release show. She's got those for sale over there as well. I just want to thank you again, Van, for all of your time and energy and and for being such a good friend. I want to thank all of you for listening, y'all. If you really enjoyed this conversation, you can head over to patreon.com slash marinade podcast and hear the second part of it where we sort of just talked about how we bonded at Americana Fest and what an incredible experience that was. Um, More on Patreon in just a minute. Marinadepodcast.com for all things the marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways you can support the marinade. And if you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. Just a few bucks a month, y'all, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. I also post my what I'm getting down on. That's the art that is inspiring me at the moment. Uh, Sometimes we get together for Patreon happy hours. It's a lot of fun, and if you can swing it, we'd appreciate it. Patreon is a monthly subscription where you can support uh, art that you really uh, want to financially support. But if you don't want that kind of commitment and you do want to support the show financially, um, you can also Venmo Venmo or PayPal us. Uh, It's just at the marinade. You can find us over there. All the money goes right back into the show. So if you just wanted to like tip us because you really liked a particular episode, that would be cool too. Um, Right now, all that money is going toward a new computer. This episode has been delayed for a couple weeks now because my old MacBook is just on its last legs. And we have a whole bunch more content coming uh, as well. And I want to get it out there, but it's kind of tough on this old dinosaur. So if you can swing it financially, we'd really appreciate it. But more than anything, just thank you so much for listening and spreading the word about the marinade. Y'all, this is normally the time where I give you a review under two, and that's a brief review of something I'm fired up about at the moment. 
But today I want to encourage you to head over to marinadepodcast.com slash magazine. And that's where you'll find our best of review of the records that we had on repeat last year. Uh, next episode, we will return to review under two. That episode is going to be with New York Times bestselling author Kristen Arnett. I'm so excited for y'all to hear that one. And then after that is the great Allison Russell and Stephen Deusner, the author of Where the Devil Don't Stay. Both of those were just wonderful conversations. So we've got a lot of great stuff headed your way. And once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.